Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. It's Friday, June 3rd, 2016. I'm Michael Agello with no lower third. I'm Jillian Fisher, whose lower third is back. What? And I'm Ty Anderson, wondering what a lower third is. <laughs> <laughs> It's that little name thing they have on there. Um, ah. Yeah. And you probably just, whatever. And I'm Eklund. And I don't need a lower third, damn it. You know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> you have any idea who I am? Just kidding. Lord. Um, now you're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday around 1 o'clock in the afternoon to fill you in on the hockey comings and goings that are going on in this great league of ours, and there are lots of things to talk about today, of course, because we are in between, and of course, you know, what Microsoft's decided I need virus protection right now. I don't need virus protection right now, um, so I'm going to turn that off so it doesn't make that sound anymore. Thank you very much. Good God. Uh, but let's talk hockey. Can we, please? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> let's start here. I want to talk about the, my blog today because I, I, I like you know I do not discuss player rumors until they're eliminated from the playoffs. And Bacchus and Shattenkirk are two players now that have been eliminated. So right. I waited, a, I waited the sufficient you know morning period, and I have now put it out <laughs> that we have allowed to, to what's going on with these two players. And it's a little, I think it's a little more interesting than people thought it would be. Um, and it's funny because I was talking about this to somebody, and, and and a couple people agreed with me that actually there's a better chance they believe that Shattenkirk leaves than Backus, and where a lot of people are thinking that Backus is definitely going, mm -hmm. and Shattenkirk could possibly stay. Um, they've been trying to trade Shattenkirk for over a year, so the reality is they don't, they're not in love with Shattenkirk. They he's a great player, but they the money is not good for them. It doesn't work right. They want to make they want to make changes. They have another they have other defensemen. Um, and there's other, there are teams that are interested in Shattenkirk, you know, and that's that also makes this, of course, all the more interesting. And we'll get to that in a second. Bacchus, on the other hand, um, really is, a, is kind of a different story um, because because Hitchcock returns. And the reality is Ken Hitchcock needs David Bacchus, and I I don't know this for a fact, but knowing Hitch a little bit, I wouldn't have been I wouldn't be surprised if he were some kind of assurance that Bacchus would be back. This um, that he would be back. With them, um, because I mean, hit the way Hitch works is this: he is very into having a player on the team that sells his system. In Philadelphia, that player was Keith Primo, and it worked in Philadelphia until Keith Primo got hurt, right. and then in Philadelphia, it fell apart when Keith Primo left. Um, I think Hitch is is really dependent on David Backus to make this thing work. If he's going to stay one more year, I think they might come up with some pretty good deal for Backus to do a one year deal here. Now I know that that's not what we would think he's going to do. Yeah, um, I, I I have a I have a problem with that act because I mean it would be one thing if Backus was in his mid twenties and a one year contract was something you know that he could just do and still get his money after the fact, but he's coming off a good year, he's coming off a good playoff, he's 31 years old, and this could be his last big contract, and you can't roll the dice 
I mean, I'm sure he wants to stay in St. Louis, but I think, you know, the one thing is that he wants the security of a long-term deal, too. You know, maybe... Uh, of he... course, yeah, no, this is true, he does, but I think, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm very curious. I don't know for facts, so sure. I'm simply guessing here, but I, I have a feeling he's going to be back. Maybe it's a three-year deal or something like that. Maybe it's yeah. a... Something like that, but I don't, I don't, I don't think they're going to sign Bacchus to the big deal. I believe Bacchus could probably get more money elsewhere. I think it will be a hometown discount to a degree. Although there's a lot of like Ty, what are your thoughts on David Bacchus as a player? There's a lot of he's. I like David Bacchus as a player, but it's not a player that I overextend myself for. Yeah. Because of the style that he plays and his right. age and. And everything like that. I think when we looked at the Ryan Kessler extension in Anaheim, yeah. we all liked it at the time. But then we thought, okay, well, years five, six, seven, that's gonna be rough. Yeah. And I think not that you're seeing that already, but I mean, the style that he plays—it's a grinding style. It's gonna wear on your body. You're gonna start having some nicks and bruises here and there that are gonna, you know, they're not gonna go away as quick as they did five years ago. And right. I do think that's an issue. So. The, yeah. You know, for all the intangibles and everything he brings to the table, I think you have to be wary of, of, of signing a guy to that kind of extension. I mean, you know, for example, look at Ryan Callahan. You know, if you could yeah. redo that contract and not give him five and a half per year, you probably do because yeah. you just realize that, okay, you know, while there is value in what he does, it's not over $5 million and, or, or, or for six or seven years. And I think that's a big issue that teams ran into quite a while there, especially when the free agent markets were so thin. You know, yep. from that era from 2011 to 2014, I would say, where teams really had a hard time finding worthwhile talent to sign. So they were signing these marginal guys to these gigantic contracts. I don't want to say that Bacchus is marginal, but he's not a 70-point guy. He's not an 80-point guy. So right. you have to – it's buyer beware, I think. And, and he looks like a guy that could get a Kessler-like contract, and that scares me if I'm a team. Well, I mean, and this, oh, I is, this is the thing. Look at his – these are his numbers the last five years. Uh, 24 goals in 2012. The, the, the lockout shortened season, he had a bad year. He only had six goals in 48 games. Then the last three years, 27, 26, and 21. Consistent, but they're starting to trend downward. And that's the thing you have to worry about is that he, on a short-term deal, say three years, is probably going to be expecting $6 bucks. And I don't think the Blues, after signing Tarasenko, and one of the reasons I think that Shattenkirk is probably gone is because he's one year away from being a UFA. Colton Pareko comes on the scene on his entry-level deal. They have Bo Meester, and they have Peter Angelo already right. in place. They extended Gunnarsson. So yeah. I think it's set up perfectly to, to move Shattenkirk to open up salary, but he's only making, I think, $4 million right now, so you're not opening up a ton of cap space by trading Shattenkirk, and you're probably going to take salary back in a deal for Shattenkirk. Yeah, you're going to have to. Um, I think, I, I really don't think that if I'm Blues, I go any more than I go with Hitchcock. So to me, it's a one-year deal. Keep bringing him back with Hitchcock, one year. Now that, I go one year, $6 million, okay? That's a big deal. That's a big contract. I don't think anyone else is going to get. I think that's risky for Bacchus, though. I don't it's very risky. It's very risky for Bacchus, but on the other hand, I don't think there's going to be as much money out there for Bacchus as people think. Um, but just because of what I keep hearing is how you can just knock a million dollars off of what you would expect from like a year ago on all these contracts, and well, and then well, they, and a year off in other cases because remember the cap's not going up. There's 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 a real friction that's happening there, and. Bacchus is not is not exactly you know well, a superstar. Let, let me ask Jillian. Let me ask Jillian this. 
based on the numbers that I just read off, if you, if Saint if Doug Armstrong, the St. Louis GM, goes to David Backus and says what Eck just said, a one-year deal for six million, or he gets an offer from somebody else for three years for five. What you do you three? And you you go with a three-year for five. I'm sorry, you do, and I'm sure that he gets pressure elsewhere because they want that. Because I. What if he has a horrible year? What if he has a serious injury? He's he. That's the style of play oh, he yeah. has, yeah. and things are all possible. And and for me, as a player gets older, we're seeing this league is getting faster and faster. And yeah. I don't think that if you have this one year, man, you are putting a lot on the line. And he, if he does, there the relationship between him and Hitchcock is much closer than I think most of us imagine. Yeah, and he's never yeah. been a speed demon. And the thing is, if yeah. you look at the free agent pool right now, he could arguably be the number two center in this pool behind Stamkos. So you cannot pass up the opportunity to go free agent. I mean, I'm sure he wants to stay in St. Louis, but if St. Louis is offering a one-year deal, you say bye-bye because you're going to get a better deal someplace else. I don't know. I mean, um, now there are other teams that are interested in him, of course, and one of those teams is your very own Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't and buy it for the, the slightest. Act. There's not it's no absolutely a hundred percent to drive up price. Um, no, it, it is um, Ty. I think a team like the New York Islanders would be very interested if you know he does make it to the market. They might lose Franz Nielsen. Um, they also might lose Matt Martin. I mean. Backus fills both of those needs right off the bat in terms of, you know, especially if they lose Lacposo as well. I mean, that's, that's, you have openings everywhere for this guy. I mean, he can play that physical role on the wing uh, for your penalty kill uh, or if you need a statement sort of shift. Uh, he's not a fourth liner, of course, but it, it would alleviate some of the, you know, the issues that come with Matt Martin potentially leaving. Um, he could be on that top line next to Tavares uh, as that net front sort of jam away along the walls kind of guy. Uh, so, so I think that that's a fit there, but I don't know. I mean, one of these teams, I think, I, I could see like a younger team. I don't know if it's Toronto, but I could see a younger team saying, all right, we need this guy as like our veteran presence to take that next step forward yep. uh, in our rebuilding process. So that I could see. Um, well, Calgary's really, another team, very yeah. similar. Calgary's a very similar team. It's a matter of, it's a matter of I think, uh, you know, what, what you want to do as a team and what you have coming up in terms of your contracts and your, your long-term scope and, I don't know all 30 teams off the top of my head in terms of the future contracts. I don't think anyone does. But uh, it, it's easy to see where a young team could, could try to slide him in as that leader for their for their group. Yeah, yeah. And, and I want to say this. I'll say it and let you talk about Toronto, Mike, because I'm going to say this about what I heard about Toronto because I did hear it from two very good sources. And then what, what was said to me, the last thing that was said to me about this was just like an hour ago. And it was really, it was really interesting because that person said, okay, you know – Look at Edmonton. Look at what's gone gone on in Edmonton. Sure. You know Lou Lamorello, okay? And Lou Lamorello does not like to go with a purely young team without oh. any experience at all. So when you, if you're going to go out there and you're going to get some experience, the kind of experience that Lou likes mm -hmm. is David Backus. That is that is right up his alley. That's the kind he wants a a, a guy who's got, you know guts, a guy who has been a captain. He can go and he can he can lead. He can teach these kids how to win. He can teach, them, and that is the perfect fit for him. And and Lou is really high on this thing. This is this um, you know I I guess that sounds wrong, but he's really up on this. This it's, this is what he wants to do. It's the perfect fit 
as a plan B if they do not get Stamkos. But I am of the opinion that they that they are the leading candidate for Stamkos. I don't think it's either I, or, and I asked that question. Well, I did. I mean, they have just so much cap room. They can't sign everybody. That's that's the thing. It's but like no, I, when you're looking at where they are, they do have enough cap space. They have quite a bit of cap space. Well, I mean, okay, if we're talking three years, right? Then maybe, then maybe then maybe it's a possibility. But I think it also would be, in, if if they went out and signed Stamkos and drafted Matthews and signed Jimmy VC, there's just so many top six forwards you can have. You know, does that mean that they trade Jam James Van Riemsdyk? I mean, you know, I mean that that's the thing. It's like you, I I think they're plus I think their options in terms of what they're looking for, their priorities is not adding another center or a guy who can play the wing. It's defense and it's goaltending. I mean, if they're going to have expend resources and monetary resources, it's on me. I think there's a greater likelihood of them trading for Shattenkirk than there is signing Bacchus. And I asked that question too because that's what I that's what I felt as well. I would agree with you. Like logically, that's where my head went to too. Um, and they said no, the Shattenkirk was not a Lamorello player. Um, but but it's bad. I mean. It's both. It is yeah. both. I mean, there's uh, people try to diminish what Lou, the power Lou has there, but believe me, that Lou might have come in last year like a lamb, but he, he's not going to be a lamb forever. Well, I'll, I'll give I'll give you an example, Ak, and and I agree. It's 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 a it's a marriage of two strong-willed personalities. But the problem is, yeah. is that the guy who's going to play the players has has the reins Ooh. in the in, in the sense that. Lou Lamorello picked up Frank Corrado off of waivers from Vancouver. Mike Babcock didn't play him for half a season. Why? Because Lou Lamorello picked him up with basically without the counsel of Mike Babcock. He's like, okay, this guy wasn't in training camp. I don't know who this guy is. I'm going to play the guys I know until he started train, trading players away, and they had to play Frank Corrado. That's right. what I'm saying. Like, if 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 Mike Babcock isn't signing on to them signing David Backus, or if Mike Babcock wants a Kevin Shattenkirk and gets David Backus instead, I think you're I think you're really you're starting a problem that doesn't need to be started. Well, Babcock is also what I was that I was was also very. I mean, remember Babcock played against bad Backus a lot. I mean, yeah. it, the, the the Red Wings played against Backus a lot, so he's also a big fan of David Backus and. You know the money. When you talk about just the money, the money is there for this, even with Stamkos. I was I was assured that for completely. I don't I don't know what I don't know how much you know how much cap space they have exactly, but this is what about, I was told. I mean, this year they have about th this year they have about thirty million in cap right. space, and you know next year uh, guys like Mahalik and Greening and Bernier drop off the, the cap that drop off their their uh, their roster. Yes, they go to closer to. Forty probably right. right. But, but you know, then you have to think about if if it's anything longer than a three-year deal, then you have to worry about signing the young guys like Nylander. And, and right. Arthur, and if they whatever. don't get Stamkos, if they don't get Stamkos, that's a ton of money that that they have available because like that's you're looking at you know a ten ten or eleven million dollars there, right? So to me, that's um, let's talk. But let's. So I think it's possible. I think Calgary. I think you're right, Ty. I think a younger team makes sense. I think I think Phoenix would make sense or Arizona or whatever you want to call them now. Um, I think. That you know, I think New Jersey would make sense for Bacchus as well. There yes. are, and I think that I agree with the the Islanders are a really good fit. I I asked about that a little bit. I haven't heard anything in there, but these other teams I've heard a little bit about. But at this point, I just have the Maple Leafs and the Flames on the rumor chart because they're the two that I continually have heard about. 
Well, taking into, taking into consideration what Dan said on one of the previous webcasts, I think Ty is right on it. The thing is that Mikhail mm -hmm. Grabowski may have played his last game in the NHL because of recurrent yeah. concussion problems. Yep. Uh, and he, he would be on LTIR for the last, I think, three years of the contract. That contract's about five million bucks. If that's if that money is freed up, then there you go. That's the perfect fit for Bacchus in in New York or in Brooklyn in Brooklyn in terms of salary structure. Yeah, he it would fit in that division. It would be interesting. He would be a great uh, metropolitan division type player, um, for sure. Um, you know, that's just now Shattenkirk. Let's talk about Shattenkirk before we get into the other news. Um, because I think we're boring. I'm sure we're boring Jillian at this point with our rumor talk. No, um, I'm interested. I know. I'm just <laughs> I was having a drink of water. There's nothing. That's all right, no problem. You can drink. You can drink away. Um, all right, Shattenkirk. Like I said, a year ago, I was just shocked when I started talking to sources during draft day to hear that Shattenkirk's name was being thrown around. That he was absolutely because I was one of those things, and I was hearing it from people that I know don't make up stuff like. Serious reporters, um, serious people in the NHL, were telling me that Shattenkirk was available. I was kind of shocked by that, but he was. And two of the teams that were talking to him at the draft um, are my top two teams from right now on my rumor chart. That would be Detroit and Montreal. Um, you know, Montreal kind of surprises me, but there's a lot of talk now that Emlyn could be out of there, and I'm, I think that that's going to be an interesting thing too. So if he goes, then Montreal definitely needs to make this kind of a move. Emelin's been out of Montreal for the last three years. Ty would know that because you know we, you know, in being in Buffalo and Toronto and Boston, we've seen Emelin and he, him and and Michelle Terrian are don't are like are like fire and gasoline. They, they just don't mix. But and we'll talk I, about I, that as well for sure. I, in a I, I honestly think Ty. And what do you think of this? That if there if there's a tie between Shattenkirk and Montreal, that could be indicative of the seriousness of them potentially trading PK Subban because that is just not going away. I, I I can't believe that they would do it, but the more I keep hearing it, the more it's not out of the realm of possibility that he gets moved. I mean, if they did that, I mean that that would be yeah the evening of the playing field for the Tyler Sagan trade in terms of just disasters happening in the Atlantic Division. I mean, if they did that, it's just one of those things I can't imagine it happening just because he's so involved with community. But if there's one thing I could see them doing, it's trading him because the coach is a nightmare and they think the coach can still win, which is the weirdest thing in the world to me because... He can't, uh, and I just think like it's it's just it would be the proper start of the circus in Montreal. <laughs> um, Continuation of a circus, actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the and, next and act. A price for a whole year. Let's not have Subban forever either. Uh, so, but let's. I, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I mean, the, the Shattenkirk one would make sense because I know we're gonna talk about it later. But but Kirk Muller going from yeah. St. Louis to Montreal, that would that would sort of add fuel to that fire and make exactly. a little sense there. Right. Um, but, you know, it, the thing with Shattenkirk is that it, it's it's a good contract now, but you're going to have to pay him next year. Yeah. And if you don't, you're going to lose him for nothing. You're going to trade assets for nothing. And that's a huge issue, I think. And, and we you know, we sort of, we all praised Mark Bergeron for a long time. But now he's in a little bit of a hot seat himself here where, yep. where a lot of these trades that he's made uh, or these acquisitions haven't really worked out. So... His next few pickups or trades or signings, they have to work out. They cannot fall flat like the Semin like the Semin signing, the Cassian signing. Yeah. I mean, the Scrivens uh, acquisition. I mean, these are guys. These are moves that did not pan out for Montreal. And so I think you know all of all the attention is on the coach. 
But now it is starting to be on the GM as well, so he has to make some good moves here. So if he gets Shattenkirk, he really has to make sure that he is going to be sticking around for more than just this season. Yeah, well, it, work, it works out almost perfectly because Mar- Andre Markov is a UFA after next year. Yes. Shattenkirk, Shattenkirk is a, has one year left, so... Once the, if they do trade for Shattenkirk, they can extend him and just say goodbye to Andre Markov, who I think is like six thousand years old right now. So, uh, yeah. But the the thing is with with the hiring of Mueller, I mean, we, we sort of get mixed signals here because Michelle Therrien is you know, not to say he's rock solid there, but they bring him back after the bad year, and then you hire Captain. Whoa, 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 whoa! You're saying Montreal is sending mixed signals, Mike? What the it's, heck? It's Yes, I really, Montreal. Mixed out of Montreal. Yes. Holy, jeez, that's a big statement. <laughs> I love Adam Proto's tweet. I, I tweeted it out. I just, I, I literally, you know, I'm not a big fan of using the term LOL or ROFL, but I literally did ROFL when reading Adam Proto's tweet, which said clearly this that Kirk Muller returns to Montreal as an associate coach, thus ending speculation surrounding Michelle Therrien's future once and for all. <laughs> exactly. You, Adam didn't, is, you didn't write ROFL. You wrote HA. I did write HA. I should have written HA. Uh, Even guess when I you do ROFL, you don't... You don't I'm not that. hip enough, Jill, to write ROFL. You're not allowed to do that when you get past 40. You would be hip enough back in, like, 1999 if you wrote ROFL. <laughs> Were you yeah. alive in 1999? Um, yeah, I, all right, I, just, so, I just resort to STFU. Yeah, 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 yeah. My WTF from yesterday. But anyway, no, the, I, the, the reality is this. This is so crazy. Michelle Therrien with, 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 with Kirk Muller. I mean, Kirk Muller is a great coach. I really like Kirk Muller. He's a hell of a coach. One thing I will always remember about Kirk Muller, just a funny, silly aside story. Okay, when I was dating a girl way long time ago, we were in high school, and I was trying to get her into hockey, right? So I was going through, we are going through a, um, I had some kind of guide with all the players in it, and I, and she, she was bored, and we're in, we're, I got a, like a, this like NHL yearbook, we were in the, now stop it, Mike. <laughs> we're in, we're in, we're at a Flyers game, we've all, we've all been there, we've all tried to take a date to a hockey game, and, and tried to turn them on to hockey, right? So I'm in there, and I'm, I'm showing her this, and I'm like, she's looking through this thing, and she says, oh, I'm bored. I'm going to find the best-looking man in all of hockey. So she goes through this, then she just starts ranking the players as far as, you know, who's the hottest star. And Kirk Muller won that prize. I'll always remember that for the rest of my life, that Kirk Muller was the best-looking man in hockey in 1985. So um, we'll go back and continuing on the story. Michelle Therrien. Um <laughs> I really appreciate you guys, like, uh, your reaction. Just, like, nothing. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't born until 91. I know, but just, isn't it, I mean, it's kind of interesting that, anyway, um, <laughs> all right, so that's okay. Nothing is fine. No reaction is nothing good. Nothing is fine. <laughs> nothing is okay. Nothing's okay. So, I do think that there is no doubt about the fact that, you know, when you bring a guy in who has been a head coach and who has been on the path of head coaching, who who has left another assistant coaching job? Well, of course, now he's not. He was an assistant in um, St. Louis. He's an associate in Montreal. I'm trying to still figure out the difference between that. Yeah, well, what is an associate coach? I'm sorry, I don't know that. I don't know. I, I really don't. Maybe that's what. Maybe that's maybe that's a French thing. <laughs> associate associate is, associate is a synonym for heir apparent, basically. 
uh, which which he is. And I, I really think that you know once if Montreal goes into a five game losing streak, you're gonna have Captain Kirk as your as your as your new head coach. I, I mean, the thing the thing is is that he was very popular there when they made their when they made a run a few years ago coaching the power play. He went to Carolina as the head coach. Didn't work out well. You know, he's gone to St. Louis. He's got he's got a good reputation in the league. Um, some people don't think he's the best X's and O's coach, but yeah, I mean, this is just this is a this is the disaster scenario or disaster backup in case mm -hmm. things don't work out with Terrian. But I think that the funny thing is, is I think Bergevin is going to make roster moves this summer that are tailored toward making that team successful with Terrian. Meaning, if he's they never do done that in the past. I mean, it, I mean, Bergeron, to his to his credit, has has drafted players that Terrian doesn't like. Um, and I'm I'm saying it to his credit because because I don't think the kind of players Terrian likes win in the NHL anymore. But the the idea here is that he has drafted, please, he's, he's made trades. I, I, the the difference between these two coaches is night and day. I mean, I, just talking to people who've been around these two coaches, I mean, I cannot imagine them working together. I mean. I mean, and this is the you know you know someone should talk to Gerard Gallant about this because Kirk Muller's a lot like Gerard Gallant, um, I would say personality-wise, and um, that just <laughs> did not, that was not a happy scene in Montreal when he was the assistant or associate or whatever they called him back then. I think he was an assistant, but yeah, I mean, I, I is he gonna at some point you know Bergeron does have to draft players that you know have no offensive upside and try to fall into Terrian's Terrian's way of doing things. But I think at this point, you know, he's he's still trying to get players. Like they are very much in on Yakupov. Like that's a player right. that I could see working really well with Kirk Muller, but not working at all with Michelle Terrian, maybe. Well, I mean, to 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 that point, if if you're a general manager and you're going out and getting players that are not conducive to your coach, then you should fire the coach. Then you should have fired him because you, you're not you're yeah. not giving that coach the best chance to win. You either get him the tools that he needs yeah. to win, or you get a coach that can work with the team that that. that he has right now, and right now, if you if they go out and get Yakupov, and they go out and uh, you know get other players that don't fit with Ber with with, uh, with Tarion, then yeah. it's a it's a recipe for disaster. And at some point, you have to blame Bergeron. I mean, you really do. I mean, it's like, to, to my opinion, you have to blame him because he's he's kept this coach there. And the thing I keep hearing about Michelle Tarion, and I'm not I hate to be so critical of the guy. I'm, he's not a terrible person or anything like that. It's just that what I keep hearing about him is that. You know, is he just, he's a survivalist, you know, like, he will do what it takes to survive his job. So he'll, he'll, he'll say, yeah, you should go get that player uh, if, if somebody believes, you know, if there's a meeting and, you know, go, go get that guy. But then whether, you know, Smith, Pelly or whoever, just go pick them up. They're talented players, but then whether or not he plays them or not is another situation. So that, you know, has been so, so obvious and so evident. I mean, we've seen it in the past. And they had that great they had that great Stanley Cup run a few years ago, and led by players that he was playing 12 minutes a game, and they managed to get through that thing. And uh, but then again, without Carey Price, it's a whole different ball game, and we don't know what we have with Carey Price yet. So that you know that really is what it comes down to. I mean, it's it's all up to Carey Price, isn't it? I mean, isn't that really what Montreal is about now? It's Carey Price it's or Montreal, it's what Montreal has always been about. I mean, Ty. You know, I, I feel I feel like I'm like arguing you know arguing with a with a with a wall 
when I the, the last few years because I've said he's the most he's the, the most important player on that team, and if he is not in the lineup, they're they're a 500 club, and I, I apparently I gave him too much credit because they they were under 500 without him. They, yeah. He's the most important player on that team. Yeah, he's probably the most. If there's one player, I think he's probably the most important player to his team in the entire league. Yeah, it's I like without them, they are a complete disaster. And hey, I mean, a lot of teams take away the number one goalie. That's gonna be the case. But with Montreal, it's even it's it's even more telling, really, and it's more obvious than ever. When he is not playing, they are a dumpster fire, and that is an understatement, really. It's just I don't know if that's because they have so much committed to him that the backup isn't going to be you know a world beater. You know, it's Mike Condon, it's Ben Scribbins, it's whoever they they right. they sign. Uh, but it's so glaring uh, when when he is not playing and. Yeah, I think he's the most important piece to any team in this league, no doubt. I, I think that's I, I totally agree, and I even even though they they so much want that not to be the case, and the players the players don't want that to be the case. But the other, I mean, there are there are some quality players on this team. I mean, Pacioretty, Van, these are really quality players. I'm not trying to rip the rest of them, but they just don't seem to have enough umph to really you know get to get over the hump without without incredible goaltending. And it's just that's what it comes down to. And I was I admit, Mike, you know, before I used to argue with you about this point, but now I have no I have no foot to stand on, you know, because it was proven right. Um, let's talk about the Florida Panthers logo for a second. Oh hell yeah. Okay. Oh. All right, the, the Panthers have officially retired the leaping cat that became so <laughs> famous for you know. Not before. Retired. It's on their helmet. Uh, from they'll have an updated version on their helmet, but it's not going to be the same. It's still leaping. How about that? It still looks a leaping. The leaping cat, which I think is a pretty was a I always thought it was a pretty cool logo. You know, um, I thought for an expansion team like considering they came in with the ducks, right? Didn't they come in with the ducks? I'm pretty sure they the did. Mighty ducks. They considering the ducks logo. The Panthers had it all over the ducks. Um, I don't know. Some of those throwback mighty ducks jerseys are pretty sick. Like they <laughs> pretty so? legit. Yeah. I. I, I've got the, I've got Are that you with her on this. Yes, absolutely. The throwback. Hey, I grew up. With, I grew up with Coach Bombay. I mean, I grew oh, up with these heart. movies. Oh. <laughs> I've got that Steve Rutan jersey in my closet. You know, geez. All right, you guys stay here. I got to show you something. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but but I, I'm I'm sorry. Let me be like I said. Let me be the You're skunk. You're gonna be down, or we know. I'm gonna be the skunk at the garden party. I look at that. I look at that emblem, and I'm like. That is the illegitimate son of the Jacksonville Jaguars. That that the, this the it it looked honestly it looks so ECHL. It really does. It, it I don't think it, it it's a good. A I good think it looks modern. Uh, it doesn't quite look like every other NHL jersey, but I do think that as we progress and more teams start changing, and this is not something that's going to happen in the next year, five years or so, but that's a modern, sleek logo design. It's very Web 2.0, and I think that's where you're going to see logos going. But, but this is, I mean, Ty, this is what happened a few years ago, few, back a few years ago with the Sabres. They had the traditional, you know, buffalo with the two cross swords, and they had to, you know, for... for Marketing and 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 merchandising purposes, so they switched from that to the decapitated goat's head. Yeah. And and you know and and people in Buffalo hated that, and they and then they hated the garden slug that looked like a Donald Trump's toupee. And 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 and, and, not, and then in the end, 
in the end, they went back. They went back to this. They went back to this, and this is what people That's hear. That's what people like. So you guys so like you this? Move to your move to your right a little. There you go. And now up a tinge. All right. Now back to your right a tiny bit. <laughs> I can't see. There you go. It's well, just um, yeah. yeah. All right. I don't. I like that. But you know what I really like? This. If they they really want to be cool, they would do this. Come on now. This. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's you. You just can't. This. That's a third. This. That's a third jersey. That'd be cool. They should go back. Why? Well, I don't know why they've never done this. You is know that, isn't that the, isn't that the Long Island Ducks? No. This is the actual. This is the movie Ducks. Oh, okay. This was the Ducks jersey in the in the first movie. I didn't I didn't watch the movie after the first one. I didn't watch yeah. any. I mean, I like this. Look at this. Look at this odd duck, though. I mean, this is a. <laughs> check this out. Never seen this really close up. Look at this. It's like Howard the Duck. Yeah. It's even. It's it's even weirder than that. It looks like a duck on mushrooms. It says D five on it. You know that whole. It was like this is it. I mean, this is legit. There's yeah. a guy on eBay. I mean, on Amazon. If you go on Amazon, you can get one of these made up with your name on it, and my name's on the back of this. My, I got this made for my daughter. I will not show you my name because, of course, I am anonymous. But my daughter's <laughs> name's on the back of this, and um, so, but you can get this made up, and this is like really super thick, like really thick. Like I think, I think there's like five shirts sewn together for this. I mean, this is unreal thick. Um, you can get that for under a hundred bucks. <laughs> And like all the things sewn on and everything, it's a beautiful. Just on Amazon, check it out. It's really, I mean, of all the jerseys I have, it might be the best made. It feels like the whole thing was handmade. You know, it's crazy. So that that's the way they should go with it. That's my favorite. I mean, I don't know why they've never done that. Well, that. If, you, if you look at the Ducks' current jerseys, they are the ugliest jerseys in the league. And I do agree. Sense. I do agree. It's a weird duck foot thing. That looks <laughs> it is a weird duck foot. They've you come know? so far in the wrong direction. Exactly. They look to me like they should be delivering something overnight to your house. But yes. I, but but I think that the Panthers have followed the ducks. I you know, disagree. No, I think no, I, think, I think Mike's got a point there. I, I do. How so? How do you think that's a bad? Uh, how does that look bad? I'm not sure. I understand. Well, it's 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 um it's it, it's it's going for the. The really like, it's it's faux vintage, is the best way so I could put it. So it's going for a market that's not traditional, and probably fits with that market. No, they're trying to make it look like the jersey that they had before the Leaping Panther. Does that make any sense? Like they're pretending. That, that, I don't think it looks like that. Like it looks to me like a, an older jersey, like a jersey from like the 60s or 70s maybe. It looks old. I do. I think it looks old. If you want, if you want to look at the the misstep that the Florida Panthers made, it's with their it's with their throwback jersey from 2009 10. The, the yeah. blue, the light blue, that jersey was bad because the Panther looked stupid. Yeah. Okay, this one, I th yeah, this one I think, this one has a really it looks like a soccer jersey, which is not a bad thing. In terms of like the actual look like a soccer jersey. Yeah. Look at the what a soccer jersey looks like. I think he does. The primary I logo looks like a soccer logo. Soccer if you wrote Panasonic across it, you would have a soccer jersey. Yeah, the soccer jersey, the little logo is a tiny little crest up here. Look at my tweet. I tweeted what a real soccer jersey looks like. I'm just saying like the like I'm that. saying the emblem itself, not the actual okay. full jersey. Yeah, the, okay. the, okay. Emblem, the emblem it's the the emblem itself is the opposite of this. It's it's a it's a pa uh, panther looking the opposite way that the jaguar is in this emblem. It's terrible. 
I don't think it's terrible. I think it looks. I think it looks sharp. So the, I'm trying we're to find all Panthers. Looking at, at Panthers right now. Right now. Okay, so we're talking about this one, Ty. Right? You're talking about this one now, right? So this is the other. This is the other one. That's yes. yes. That was horrible. Yeah, that was okay. terrible. This yeah. is very. You know, this. This is. These are the hip colors, though. Like this is like the whole thing. Well, they blue. want to be like the penguins when they have penguins. Right, have the penguins their, or uh, the blue classic. jackets or yeah. the wild or there's so many. I mean, so many teams that seem to have the same kind of design. Yes. Um, and then and that's yeah, this, why this, I like this. This is a. This is a. I like this is a panther that's just laughing at you, like. Ha, yeah. Ha, ha. Yeah. All right. Like, so. Um, panther looks fierce. Like I think he looks very fierce. That's a panther that's laughing at you because you spent two hundred bucks on the jersey. No, I don't. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Their old jerseys looked nice. I I did like the old logo, and at first I didn't really think there was a need for a new jersey. But they don't have a like a throwback jersey. They don't. They don't really. They don't have a. Don't right. Have so you create a new jersey. Every team does it, though. It's not like this oh, is something new. This is not like the Florida Panthers is doing it. The only team that's ever done this. Every oh, team evolves. Oh, this for sure. Thing, suckers. For sure. No, I agree. Um, it, it's here's they, my thing: is that every team that redoes their their color scheme, their logo, they always try to make it look like it's a throwback, like it's yeah. from 1945. Like Dallas Stars, they yeah. all they did. The yes. Dallas Stars took the Chicago Blackhawks St. Patrick's Day jerseys and made it their regular jersey. That's what they did, and they just yeah. put a D on it instead of the instead of the Indian head. Uh, so I I really think that it's it was nice to see a team take some chance with some color, with some different logos with the the shoulder patches. My one gripe about this entire jersey, because I liked the way this looked for Florida, was they got rid of the the uh the the cross of the palm tree and the hockey stick. That is the one thing that I wish was still on this jersey. It's not on one of the patches. I thought it was. I don't believe so. not the way that it used to look anyways. The way that it looked with the you know, it was it was slightly obnoxious in a way, but it was true to Florida, I thought. Like that that really gave the flavor of okay, we play in Florida, there are palm trees everywhere. We also play hockey, so let's cross the two. Well, no uh, matter. No, here no, is the um. Here's an idea. So this gives you for those of you who haven't seen it. This is this is like this is a you know the mannequin picture of the jersey. Okay, so you have this jersey yeah. and you have um you have the the Florida state flag as a patch, yeah. um, on your side there. Um, you know, and uh, I'm sure Mickey Mouse is in there somewhere. We just don't see it. It's like one of those Pixar things. Um, but somewhere in there. No and, matter. Um, no matter what the pit. No matter what the Panthers do, they they can't top the uh, the third jersey from the Tampa Bay Lightning from a few years ago for being the worst jersey of a Florida team. The, the one, one that said bolts. The one that said bolts was. St I'm like I'm waiting for the other third jersey that said nuts. Yeah, no, that was bolts was uh, tough. Yeah, it does. Uh, your screen's about to. Okay. Yeah, I see. Okay, there we go. So um, so yeah, I I think the stitching is kind of. I'm not big fan of the stitching thing. That they do on this, like it gives it that, like you're saying, Ty, like they're trying to go back to like when we when we had to sew things by hand, or but that they're trying to say that this maybe was made by one of the millions of Amish people that live in Florida, but um, you know that sort of gives that look to it. But, but it does. It, um, it does have that Montreal look in the sense of that stripe down the middle, and I just uh, don't go there. I mean, that's well, that's that is that, that is that is the realm of the Montreal Canadiens, okay. No. That is what I will say. That stripe across the middle, right, is the is in. I know it's in soccer a lot and stuff like that, but um, it is the realm of the Canadians, um, and that is something that I was kind of I was a little bit surprised that they did, especially because there is no bigger. But this is this is what's interesting about this. The largest draw 
for the Florida Panthers oh, is the Montreal Canadiens. When the Canadiens come to town, it is so in a way maybe they're going for that somehow here. I wondered about that. Yeah, no, it's. Like, I think it's, they're trying to like sentimentally because a lot of people who live in Florida were Canadiens fans. Yeah, I I know this because the the Leafs draw pretty well down in Florida too. They they purposely schedule the Montreal games. I think in December and mm-hmm. either December, January, or February yep. because there's a ton of snowbirds down in southern Florida. So that's why, and you got a ton of Montreal fans. It's not a bunch of like Florida fans who just like Montreal. There's a ton of uh, Quebec pe- play, uh, people down in and and Ontario who who like the Habs down in Florida. So that that's the reason why. But honestly, this is a, looking at the color scheme. It's a ripoff on the Canadians. A red, a red jersey. They were red before. What color were they before? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's no orange. blue. Wasn't it, wasn't it more orange? No, no it, was it was red. red. Okay. It was red. I they, had, they had accents of orange in the yeah. in the uh, in the logo itself. Was red. Look at their old jerseys. All right. Well, hold on. well they're they're soon to be old. <laughs> X going to get another jersey. There you go. But yeah, I mean, I mean, okay, I I will grant you, and I I shouldn't say anything because you know the Maple Leafs are going to be changing their jersey this year. But it, it's the strange thing is, is Ty, like you said, that there are other teams that are trying to look like their throwbacks. The Leafs are actually going. It, the emblem is the old emblem. I mean, they're changing the lettering of the word Toronto and Maple Leafs a little bit. But it's basically the emblem of the that, that they had from like the 40s to the late 60s, and the, and and we don't know what the jersey is going to look like, but it's probably going to look very similar to what it did before. So it's basically they're going to a throwback jersey, which was what Toronto should do because you know they're them and Montreal are the oldest franchises in the league, and that you want that classic look, but. For the other 28 teams, I guess you have carte blanche to do whatever you want, or you know maybe not Chicago, Boston, New York, Detroit, but uh, yeah, those fans would go nuts. Um, yeah. Here's okay, so here's um obviously this is the Montreal jersey, okay? So the idea of the stripe through the middle, right? And that, but it is it does look a very it looks really different to me. That I don't think that that's terrible. I don't because it's a white. There's no blue in that jersey. Blue is the blue is what sets that Montreal jersey off. And then of course this was like the um, the alternate? No, this one, you know. Yeah, the the yeah. negative. Which I think is cool. I think Montreal should use this jersey more often. Um, it's better. It's better than that barbershop quartet one that they had a few years ago. Right. And then the this one, is the this one that caused epileptic fits. And this is my favorite jersey of all time. All right, this is it. The flying V. Oh yeah, this this is um this Vancouver Canucks jersey, rocks. I think that's my opinion. Just throwing that out there. I got a couple I hundred. Just thought, I just think it was it with Florida. My my closing thought on it is that it was just nice to see a team commit to a a a non three stripe look with the double with the double lettering. It's it's just a single shoulder patch. It's it's nice to see a team take a little yep. bit of a chance, modernize their logo a bit. Everyone is obsessed with going back to how it used to be. The Islanders, the Flyers. Everyone goes back to what they used to look like with their jerseys. It's nice yep. to see a team invent invent a new logo, just straight up invent a new logo, yep. and really deviate from what their norm was with their prior jerseys. And, and Ty, I, and, go ahead, go ahead, Jillian. I was just gonna say my closing thought. I pretty much am right there with you, Ty. That I like seeing them and deviate from the norm of the NHL. Deviate like this is a, not a very 
NHL looking logo, and I like that. I think that a lot, and I think they knew they were going to get pushback, or else they wouldn't have done it because it's great for marketing to get everybody talking about it. And I think it's great. I think it appeals to the market that they want, and I think that it's nice to see it. And I, I like it. My closing thought is, I am a fan of the new logo and the new jerseys. My, my closing thought is that after they sell as many jerseys as they can of this particular jersey, probably four or five years down the road, they'll end up going back to the old jersey because they can. Because they. I think off. what they're doing, I, 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 knowing Peter Luco a little bit, I think he's probably involved in this, right? Because he's the, he's the he's the guy who came from Philly, and they were really into the fact that the Flyers never really had a third jersey, and he went kicking and screaming with the with the crazy orange three dimensional one that was just horrible. Or the black one. Yeah, the black one. Um. Just sold a lot, and they couldn't. St- <laughs> Black jerseys just sell more. That's why they. But they shouldn't be worn on the ice because they're like that's a horrible contrast. But um, this, like, like you're saying, like this Ducks jersey, I can't stand. Um, I can't stand. The, I can't stand these V's that come up the side like this. That yeah, whole, it's horrible. That I just yeah, don't like it all. But, but a this lot of, one, a lot, a lot of teams have those. I don't know if. It, who, oh yeah, no, a lot of teams have them. Um, I mean, well, that that was, the that Sabers had them, right? The Sabers, the, Sabers had, them. the Sabers had that gray section underneath yeah. the arms. I think it was something because the the jerseys were made by Reebok. I think it was Reebok, um, and that was that was symbolic of of Reebok's design. They had a gray patch coming up the sides of the, of the uniform, right. which didn't really fit with anything because gray isn't part of the the Sabers uh, color scheme. Well, this goes into um, well, th- this I do like this one. All right, I will say I do like this Ducks jersey. I like the orange one. But I'm a big fan of orange. It's because so, that centerpiece logo. That's why. Yeah, no, I, the logo I'm okay with, but I like the orange. Um, but you know, I, I do think I do think that you know that they are taking that something from the Flyers as well. But I will say this: that um, that remember remember the whole controversy when they went to the lighter jerseys, like the, the, the it was an All Star game. They they introduced these jerseys. I was I was at the All Star game. They gave the media jerseys. That was the really like the craziest thing. Like it was the only time. In it, ever we got like we were given like a two hundred dollar jersey. Everybody was in the media. I think this time we were given a hot dog maybe or something. Um, but um, was it Phil Castle Day? No, just kidding. Yeah, no, I think no. We were given a chocolate Stanley Cup last year. That was pretty cool. Yes, but, um, we were. Yeah, I remember that. But this, yeah. So I don't know. I'm. Uh, I think that what they're trying to do in Florida is get a, is the other one was probably I can knowing Peter Luca he probably thought the other one was a little cartoon like, and this is this this is going this is this is more collegiate. That's my thing. That's my problem. And I I think it's got a classy thing to it. So I'm over it. And I'm I'm I think we had the perfect t- panel because I I think that this is the panel to talk about these jerseys because I know like I know Ty like you have your jersey collection like I have my jersey collection and these are like and we're and you you still haven't found your Bruins jersey that you really want right. Which one? The uh, oh, the one from nineteen twenty yeah. twenty uh, twenty eight. Yeah, that the Eddie Shore jersey. That is. Uh, I have they make, eBay they make four them. of them a year. They make like the the pro shop carries them. Like it's a legit sweater. It's not like a straight okay. jersey. It, it is an actual like thick sweater that is very heavy. Even a size small, I think, weighs like nine pounds. Uh, so I'm looking forward <laughs> to wearing that weighted vest like Yager. Uh, but it it really does feel like it, it's they make. Ten of them a year, and they sell out so quickly. Um, but yeah, it's like the if you play the the EA NHL games, um, or just seen the pictures from the twenties, they yeah. do have this jersey. Um, it is on the Eddie Shore and, and Lionel Hitchman and Dick, Dick, Dick Clapper, all those guys. They wore that jersey. It's the first Bruins jersey. It's brown and yellow. It's not. There's no black. 
so I really with, is that the one with the massive B? No, it has the uh, it has the bear, the logo that is now the the shoulder catch, but it's like the old school version of it. Um, but they 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 make them in such limited runs that they're it's one of the hardest things to find. Um, I don't even know if they still make them now that like Reebok is switching over. Who who knows what they're going to be doing? Yeah. Because uh, I don't think Reebok makes it. The NHL itself makes it. So um, I, it's it's a fascinating jersey, but it's the hardest one to find. It's awesome. If you ever find it, definitely get it. I have um, been. I, I have a search on this thing, like on eBay, because I'm, yeah. I'm trying to find one for you forever. Like I want to find the right one, and I just like to surprise you at some point. Um, no. Won't be surprised now, but I just want you to have. You know, <laughs> don't be surprised cool now. Wait so, yeah, so, I mean, no, but I'm totally like I think that's like a I, I love like the search for jerseys like that. Like for the longest time, I really, really, really wanted a Colorado Rockies jersey, and I, you know, I finally got one. I think they were the coolest jerseys, and I, you know, I got one. I, I there was a, now it's easy because they make all these. They suddenly make all these Colorado Rockies stuff again, which is really funny. Like you know, and I got a Kansas City Scouts jersey for crying out loud. Um, a few weeks ago, so and that that is probably a hard one of the worst looking jerseys you'll ever see for a yeah, team that like, really it just. Like, it looks like a bowling trophy in the middle of it. Probably the most. It looks like it looks like they like that like that crying Indian, you know, like um from the commercials, up on a up on a horse. Um, yeah, it's it's not good. And that that I talked remember talking to Bill Clement who um played for the played for the Kansas City Scouts for a brief period of time, and it was literally the worst. I mean that talk about a disaster for a hockey situation. The Kansas there we go. Yeah, there it is, right there. There's the there's the logo. It's like. Oh wow, that's really. Yes. I yet. bring you peace. Yeah, and the horse takes a dump on your jersey. There you go. Well, that's nice. The best, the best. I, I, one of my favorite old school jerseys from around that time, California Golden Seals. Yes. Yeah. Love the color scheme. Uh, the simplistic logo. It's so fitting for that era. I thought, uh, and it just. That's a jersey that everyone should own, in my opinion. Now, do you like the one that says seals on it, or do you like the actual the actual other one? I like the one that says seals on it. I think that one is very... Yeah. It has a cool look to it. It looks like something out of that movie Semi-Pro with Will Ferrell. Yeah. Uh, it, it looks like something Jackie Moon would wear, so I'm a big fan of that. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's funny. Like, there are so many... You look at these old-school jerseys, and you see teams are starting to gravitate back towards that. I think, like, teams that are around back then, like the LA Kings... They're going to be wearing those gold ones probably quite a bit next year, I would imagine, as part of their 50th year celebration. Yeah, they ha they really should, and the gold ones are awesome. I mean, they really and and I have a I have a purple one. The purple one is awesome. I mean, they I was really upset, but what's really funny is how the Kings had that stretch of time, you know, when they were with the Gretzky jersey, right? And the Gretzky jersey, yeah. they've never brought back like the silver one. They, and the silver and black. Yeah. 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 My question is, what do you guys think of the Phoenix Coyotes old jersey? Oh, I love oh. that jersey. It's my favorite. Oh, I love that jersey too. Love you can and that jersey is really cheap. You can find that jersey for That's almost nothing. One of my favorites. I I once uh, secret those who don't know. I run our Facebook page on on oh, Hockey yeah. Buzz, and last year when the Coyotes wore those, I took a screenshot of me watching uh, of that game. I was watching it on my computer. And I posted a photo, and all of my caption I wrote was "Bring them back." That's all I. That's all I said. <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. I didn't care that no one supported it. I, I didn't run it through anyone. I was like, I'm gonna post this. Say, "Bring them back." It's so. Everyone, everyone was really pissed. Yeah. I wish I would have liked it. Oh yeah, when you go there, when you go to that that area, that that is so perfect to that area. Everything looks like everything has that design on it. You know, it's just yeah, it yeah, makes. 
And that is the jersey from the glory. Well, would you, the only thing that you could consider the glory days of the Phoenix Coyotes, because that was the jersey during Roenick and and Kachuk. I mean, the right. jersey's not that bad, though. It's just not as awesome as the other. Well, you all remember that. I maybe I don't know if you remember. We'll move on after the jerseys after this. But the one thing that I pitched really hard to the NHL, and almost there's something happened where they couldn't do this, but I actually did get somewhere on it. Um, was this idea for the outdoor game? Yes. Which is um. I, I for love the, that. So when the oh, show, I love that. That is, so you know, that's, that's cool. I, I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, which is the which is the California Seals jersey that that Ty's talking about, but just like you know with sharks written on it. Yeah, the Charlie Finley like color. I think like the throwback. Though. I think it's only yeah. good for the outdoor game. The Charlie yeah. fin, the Charlie Finley colors. To yeah, I mean that that makes. Well, the the one thing I can say, I mean, there's gonna be a lot of things in in Toronto for the hundredth anniversary that are gonna be cool. But the one thing that I think is gonna be the coolest is the fact that they're gonna wear I think five or six different jerseys throughout the year, like different jerseys throughout the history of the of the team. So you'll see the one they wore at at the uh, the outdoor game at uh, the big house. And like three or four others, so it, they're not just going to be wearing their new jersey; they're going to be wearing other jerseys as well. And I, I can't wait for that. What I think is cool about that too is like when you think of a jersey, especially when like you were saying, Mike, earlier about the like the old Coyotes jersey, it reminded you of a specific era. It reminds you of like a certain memory that you associate with that era of that sports team. That's what's so cool about those throwback jerseys. I know some people are like it's such a marketing thing, and yes, it is. But it also reminds you of something too. It brings back something that you remember from that team. Hundred percent. Yeah, and, and the last thing about this, this this Toronto emblem that I'm peeling off the wall right now, this is the emblem that they that they adopted in 1970. That they had an emblem after they won their last cup in 1967 for a few years, and then because the, apparently the copyright for that emblem was owned by the previous ownership, Harold Ballard, the curmudgeon owner of the Maple Leafs, decided to go to this modern, straight, more straight-lined leaf emblem, and they've had like this emblem as the primary emblem for for 44 years, and that just happens to be the 44 years that they have not won the Stanley Cup. So a lot of people in Toronto associate this emblem with wow. pain and losing. Yeah. Wow. There you go. Interesting. Interesting. It's a little bit of history for you guys. Too. That's actually history. interesting history fact. So let's talk about the game tomorrow before we get yeah. out of here. Um, we did talk about it a little yesterday, but I wanted to get Ty's opinion on this as well. Um, where do you see this series right now, Ty? Uh, this series, I, I tweeted this, and I, I I feel very strongly about this, is that this series feels like the first two games of the Boston Bruins and Vancouver Canucks series in 2011, where the the Penguins, there are stretch where the Penguins dominate, but they don't bury the Sharks. Mm -hmm. The Sharks hang around. They finally get a goal uh, in the thir late in the third period of Game 2, much like when, when I think it was Recchi scored late in Game 2 in yep. Vancouver. They lose it quickly in overtime, not as quickly as Alex Burrows beating Tim Thomas 11 seconds in. Right. But but again, quickly. Same thing. Nick Benino scores in Game One. Again, not as late as Rafi Torres in Game One, 2011. Right. right. But it is sort of that dagger. You're late enough in the game where it is sort of the death blow. Yeah. Um, but I I look at this series and I and I see it switching to San Jose, and I say, I I really feel like the games in three and four in San Jose are going to be blowouts in favor of the, the Sharks. I just think their crowd's going to be amped up. It's their first time there. I really think that this is going to, to be an incredibly noisy building, and I really think that this is the best chance for for the Sharks to get out a goalie like Matt Murray, a goalie who is younger. He hasn't been here. I mean, he's played so well, but 
it is it can be tricky when you're away from your home building. I think, uh, especially at this stage. So this series feels like that to me. I think you're going to see a, a gigantic effort from uh, from San Jose tomorrow night. I do think that it's going to be. I do think we head back to Pittsburgh tied up 2-2. It's just a weird feeling that I have uh, just based on I've seen this story before. I've seen this. So <laughs> I, I something needs it. to happen, though, that wakes the Sharks up, that just gets them going. I love I loved that comparison, Ty, and the thing is, like I've been saying ever since the ever since game one, that, that San Jose has to be more physically imposing, and that Bruin team in 2011, when they came back for games three and four, they ran the Canucks out of the building. They destroyed them physically. Was it, wasn't it the 8-1 to one or 5 nothing? What was the score? It was a crazy eight game. 8-1 in eight game to three. 8-1 right? in game three. 4 nothing in game four. Right San, San, Jose, San Jose doesn't have Milan Lucic, or doesn't have anybody who who equals the antagonism of, of Brad Marchand or, or or a physically imposing guy like Chara. But they do have big guys, do have quick guys. They have guys who can stir the pot, and yeah. that's what they need to do. They need to hit Latang. They need to hit Crosby. They need to get in front of Matt Murray's face. they got to be disruptive. Yep. If they do that, they can climb back in this series. If they do what they did in Pittsburgh, which was show up for minutes and then disappear at minutes, this, is, this series is over quickly. Yeah. I think Nick said one thing yesterday that uh, was very important to note is that it looks oh, like you. Pittsburgh is playing their best hockey right now, whereas yeah. San Jose, we may not have seen their best. Um, so I think that's important to note. Uh, I don't think that it's going to be a blowout. Um, I still think that Pittsburgh has the edge. Um, I wasn't as close to the Vancouver and Boston series, although I... Now that you're really saying that, I'm realizing just how similar those two are. Um, yeah. But I think Logan Couture uh, letting some of that frustration out, I think, was a good tipping point for them. I think if, if they come out real physical, I think that was really the emotion that you're seeing boil over, and I think that's important that he got out there and said that. Mm. Whether he should have said it or not, whole different story. But um, I think that's important because it shows they are still there. They are frustrated. They do care. So. Yeah. What What we're gonna need, Ty, is somebody to speed bag Phil Kessel like Brad Marchand did to the one of the Sedines. Well, you know what it is? I think I, I really think when you watch these two games, it didn't feel like San Jose wanted to make life hell for the Penguins. It felt like this was this was a two game feeling out process. Yeah. You really start to see the nastiness towards the end of game two, but yeah. it felt like for those first hundred plus minutes there. That San Jose, it's almost like they didn't have an issue with Pittsburgh. But you need to find an issue. You need to you need yeah. to find a way to yeah. get angry, to get physical, to find to find something that really pisses you off about this team. And you they're, know, sometimes it's harder it's harder to manufacture that. Yeah. I'm gonna say the, the the reason for getting angry is they're held down two games in the Stanley Cup final. If you can't exactly. find a reason there, you're kind of screwed. Well, you see, here's so. the thing with San Jose. What you saw was that they didn't really play well unless they played desperate. Um, the only, when they were down one, when you're down one nothing, you're not playing desperate. You're still like hanging in there. You're gonna try to get a chance. When you fall down two nothing, like they did, they came out and played the kind of hockey they have to play. They had, they, they were, they were taking the extra chance. They were taking the extra thing. And when they played down two nothing, they played desperate hockey until they tied it again. At which time they didn't play desperate again, and then they fell back into the same kind of mode. The but same thing were... happened at the end of the third period of the game two when they started pouring it on. 
but they were fortunate. They got the power play at the beginning of the second period in game in game one that got them on the board, and then they, like you said, they pressed the attack and they finally got the tying goal. But then in the third period, they sort of ceded the territory back to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh took the game back over, and Jones basically kept them in until until that winning goal of the Benino's goal late in the third. Well, this this reminds me a lot of DeBoer's actually Jersey Devils team that he had. You know, this the way they play that way because that that Devils team did the same thing. They yeah. would hang in, and they would hang in, and they would counterattack. And the problem is, you could tell that that they didn't want to. You know, they, they didn't know how to play Pittsburgh. First of all, they didn't really know how to play them, and. So what they were afraid of, which is, and rightfully so, is you don't want to get trapped. You don't want to get caught. You don't want to give two-on-ones up, three-on-twos up. So they played. They, they would never send more than one guy in. They always had their third guy high. They just they kept that thing. They never, unless they, until they fell behind and they had to, yeah, they, but the, they, weren't the, trusting them. they weren't trusting their own defense. They weren't trusting their own goalie. And they were just hoping for Pittsburgh to make mistakes, and Pittsburgh played pretty flawless hockey, so they weren't making mistakes. Pittsburgh wasn't, and the other thing is the problem with the start with with not the starts, but the Sharks not playing aggressive is when the Sharks don't play aggressive, they don't draw penalties, and right. when the Sharks don't draw penalties, they don't get on the power play, and without the Sharks on the power play, they can't win the series because that's the bottom line. Constantly chasing the pens around, it's going to be really hard to be physical, and it's going to be really yeah. hard to draw penalties, yeah. and if yeah. the refs are going to be as Loose with their whistles as they were in game two, it's going to be really hard to get penalties. I mean, there were some very obvious calls for both sides that I like when the refs let them play. I do, but I think you have to be careful in a highly. This is going to be, I, I imagine, a very fast game, hard hitting game. You have to be careful because they can get out of control quickly. They can. So I do hope to see the refs maybe tighten up a tiny bit. I, I, I want to say more penalties definitely benefits the Sharks. I mean, it, the, the Penguins' power play has been weak lately. The, the power play has the, had they, they had three power plays right, and they scored on one of them in the series so far. So the the difference between the Devils from 2012 and and the Sharks is Sharks have offensive depth. It's not just Kovalchuk and Zach Parise. They had that team had to play rope a dope. They had to play a defensive style and counterattack, like you said. San Jose has enough depth and enough offensive talent. They should be carrying the offensive attack to the Penguins and and going after the most the most vulnerable yeah. part of their game, which is their defense. Their defense has, other than Latang, is relatively inexperienced and not very good defensively. But you never find that out because they're always carrying the puck and skating away from the, the Shark players. Because you're afraid of of the counterattack, which is which is which is what the Penguins do. So. But I think Ty's right. I think that with with now down two nothing, desperation settles in too, and the penguin and the sharks will come out like they're on fire, and they will be in front of their crowd. They're they're going to have that nothing to lose thing, and you will you the penguins are going to have to hold them off. I mean, I could see the first period where you know the penguins are going to sit back and and hold them off. The penguins know it's coming. There's not a whole lot of you know the, for the penguins when you when you win the first two games at home. If our all they've been hearing all week is how 99% of all teams that win the first two games at home, you know, and that's just, it's unbelievable, 91%, you know, although 50% of the last four, but, you know, whatever we talked about yesterday with math, the bottom line is, you know, the Penguins really, I don't think there's a whole lot of motivation to sweep this series, so I, I get the sense that they feel really confident at home now, and if they can win one game in, in San Jose, They'll be okay. And is, is this true? Someone said to me, "Is this is it possible that the Penguins have never won the Stanley Cup at home?" 
Someone said that to me the other day. They won, I they, heard, won in, they won in Chicago. I heard that on the radio. And I, that, um, I mean, they won four Stanley they won, Cups. They won in Chicago. They won in Chicago. They won. I'm pretty sure they won in Minnesota. Right. Um. And they won in Detroit. Yeah. They won in Detroit. In they won in Detroit. Okay. That's two goals. That that's it. They've only won three. They've been. No, in, they won. Didn't they win more than four. They lost. They lost in 08. Crosby. All right. They won. So yeah. Ben. So. Yeah, they, they lost won, at home. Right, they yeah. lost at home. But they have never well, – they've won three Stanley Cups, but the, they've never won a Stanley Cup at home. So yeah. I, I I think that, you know, there's not there's not nearly the pressure on the Penguins to sweep the series. I don't I don't think they're going to sweep the series. Well, and, let's, and let's, just say, let, let's just say if they win game three. Um, right. I think gonna, game three is – Game three is going to be San Jose's game. game. I think I think game three is going to be San Jose's game. I really would be shocked if San Jose. Oh, it better be. I look at I look at game three and I look at Joe Thornton. He's yeah. got to set the tone. He's got he's got to. I, I like the way he's played physically with some snarl to his game. Uh, game one, he's punching Malkin in the mouth. You know, yeah. at the end of the period. Game two, he smacks the helmet off Crosby. Yeah. Uh, really being the grumpy old man of this series uh, that yeah. it looks like. But I do think you need that. You need that right off the jump. You need that not when you're down, not when you're you know trying to make a comeback, but right off the jump, set the tone. Make life uncomfortable for them. You have to do that. I look at Thornton and Marlowe, two guys that have been waiting to get to this point their entire careers. Now it's on them to really set the tone and lead. I know they don't have the C anymore. Both those guys were captain at one point. They're not anymore. Yeah. But they can still lead this team the way it needs to be led. And, and, and I do think that if, if they do, you will, we will be talking about a very close series come Monday. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think I, I really do, having seen Thornton up close, having talked to him a little bit, um, and, and Marlowe, you really get the sense that that winning this is very important to Joe Thornton. I'm not saying you don't get that sense with Marlowe, but you really you really do get it with Thornton. Marlowe is hard to, is a hard guy to read, um, but he's he's very you know private. Um, but Thornton, this it matters. Like after game two, you could tell it mattered, and he's he's gonna he's gonna play. I mean, he's been his some of his passing has just been phenomenal. I mean, his ability to make passes. I mean, I put out a I put out a poll in the beginning in the middle of game one. Who's the better passer, um, Crosby or Thornton? You know, and about five thousand people responded, and I think sixty percent said Thornton, which I think is probably what I would expect would have expected. But um, yeah, that's I think that, that's pretty good. So I, I really I I I'm with you, Ty. I I think it does remind me of that series as well. Hopefully, this doesn't end up with cars on fire in Pittsburgh next week. But yep, it does remind <laughs> me of that. Are you are you are you renting or are you driving? We're driving. I know. Far away from the console. Like goodbye to the Hummer. Um. So anyway, yeah, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I I. I San Jose, Eck. What was that? When do you leave? You're going to San Jose, right? I'm going to San Jose tomorrow morning. Um, nice. I'll be there. I arrive at 11:30 about this time tomorrow. I guess well, about yeah, about an hour from now tomorrow. So 25 hours from now. Um, I'll arrive, and and which is really fun. I'm arriving at 11:30, and the game is at five, right? So, the game is at five in San Jose, which is cool because I have lots of friends, and I get to go out after the game and have, have a whole night. It's kind of fun. You just, just assuming this game doesn't go. Of course, this will be the game that goes in three hours. So, <laughs> way to jinx it, Ak. Way to jinx it. But yeah, I'm meeting with a lot of people in San Jose, and there will be another meetup um, on the concourse in San Jose. I don't know the section yet, so just follow me on Twitter. We had a really fun time the other night, and don't worry, Russ won't be there this time. Um, hopefully, so, that guy, hopefully that guy from Jillian's video with the horse head is not there either. It'll just he be like a good time now, didn't he? 
It'll just be me, and uh, and but I, I definitely love to meet people. Um, so come. Uh, one of the things I'm trying to do, and I did it a little bit in the last game. I took some pictures. So if you have a really obscure jersey with an obscure name on the back of it, I'm all about that. I like to take pictures of people with all with obscure jerseys. The best I found last game with an was in, was the San Jose Sharks. This was in Pittsburgh. A guy wearing a Sharks Archers Urbay jersey, which I loved. That was awesome. Um, so you know, if you have something like yeah, there were some good some Penguins good jerseys too. You know, um, I saw like um, what was the, what was the one I saw like um, oh it was a goalie like one of their obscure goalies I can't remember but it was just it was, there are some good ones I love those kind of things. If you have an obscure jersey, wear it, find me and I'll take a picture of it and post it to Instagram because I'm really I think that's a blast. Oh, and the fu funny thing was so the person with the Archers Urbe, her it was a woman who was wearing the Archers Urbe jersey and her husband was wearing a Danny Heatley jersey. So talk, the, the Sharks. So this is like these are definitely obscure Sharks fans. Which I like, but Urbe, remember Urbe was really good for a while there. Remember that he um. Well, he he he. They were the eighth place team in 1994 yep. and beat the first place Detroit Red Wings. On the power of Archer's Urbe. And, and, and Sanders holds the winch. Before we leave, one thing I gotta show you. Along those lines. <laughs> Where'd he go to? Who's He's getting kid? another jersey. Right. All right. So. I hope you're listening. I can't hear him when he talks this far yeah, away. Yeah, I know. All right, I'm back. Hold okay. <laughs> All right, so. that far away. I know. Stupid microphone. Directional microphone. All right. So, uh, sitting on this. All right, so this, I got this year, the, the year the Sharks entered the league. And um, honestly, I got this year the Sharks entered the league, and it was, um, they, they, they tried to go back to this. What's up? What's up? It's a Pat Floon jersey. It is. It's a Pat Floon jersey. There you go. So, uh, Pat Pat Falloon, for those of you who don't remember, was um, drafted right after Eric Lindros. Yep. And I was, uh, I was at that draft, so that's why I remember. You were at that draft, really? It was in Buffalo. It was. Oh, that's right. Lind Lindros didn't go to the Quebec table, and Falloon was the first. He got a cheer from the Buffalo crowd because he actually took the jersey and acknowledged that he was a member of the team, unlike Lindros, who rejected Quebec. Right. And eventually, remember Pat Falloon and Lindros played on a line together in Philly. That's true. Um, which is really funny because neither of them were drafted by the Flyers. And uh, but this, when this jersey came out, I'm telling you, this was my favorite jersey in the NHL. I love this color. I thought it was really cool. No one had ever been this color before. And um, they 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 went back to that sort of, but not. I, they don't. I wish they would go back to this exact vintage jersey. I think it's way cooler. It is um, one of the uh, one of the. It, it's just it's one of the better color schemes in the league. Anything that has a, a bright and a dark, you know, is, yeah. is is perfect by me. Yeah, I mean, I got a car this color. I like this jersey so much. Like I was yeah. like looking at cars. I got a car this color. Um, a bright mint green car myself, so I know the feeling. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's just like you find a cool. And I will say, that, and I said this the other night, um, that I really do believe that this color scheme between these two teams is pretty cool. Like I think these are two interesting color. I, I think the Penguins. The black and the black and silver. I mean, the black and gold and the sharks teal and silver. It's a good color scheme. This, these are these are these are good uniforms against each other. Especially, it's going to look really good, I think, in San Jose. Before we go, did the Penguins switch back to these colors because Vegas is coming in again? Going to use actual Vegas gold? That's a good question. Ooh, that's what I. Cause that's what I'm. That's my like theory on this. Because I've heard the rumors that that Vegas is going to be a black and gold team as well. Well, I think I, it would make sense if they want to steal the Vegas gold. Bill, Bill, wow. Foley, Bill Foley, the presumptive owner of the franchise, I know, know that he did an interview 
on Hockey Night in Canada last year, and he said that if it was his way, the team's name would be the Las Vegas Black Knights. That's for the, what is it, what school was it, or what? Yeah, or, I think it's Army. I think it's Army, Army. Yeah, Army. Yeah. So, That's why, right? That's what it is. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if he's a, I don't know if he went to West Point, but it, 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 that would make sense. But if it, if, if that is the team name, then you would think that the jersey probably would be black and gold. Yeah, that would be cool. You know, the um, this is the last thing we'll say. I know I've said that before, but this is really good. The um, this this is a the the team that I love, the Vegas jersey I love for a hockey team, was the Las Vegas Gamblers. Yeah, I don't think they want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but this was a real. I mean, they just played a couple years ago. Remember? I mean, Brisgala played on the Gamblers. Um, but this was a really cool. Um, see if I can see the hockey jersey here. I, I just hope that I hope there's not a the hockey a hockey player named Joe Jackson or. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I know it's sort of definitely. Uh, it's not maybe the best idea, but there these were cool jerseys, and you know, you can't find one right now. But anyway. They were cool. They had a, What was cool about them is they had a uh, like a, a bandit on it, like a like you know a good old. And that is really like what you see around the around that area. You know, you see there's those ghost towns and stuff like that. You mean it wasn't a picture of Kenny Rogers? No, it wasn't the gambler. Wrangler. You got to know when to hold him. No, when oh, this was this was their this was their actual logo. How cool is this? Check this out. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I like that. I thought that was a cool logo. It's like LV, Jason Envy. Voorhees takes Chicago. Like I don't. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 Jason in the mob. There you go. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey, and without the hockey, it's nothing. Talk to you soon. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.